0: Audio
1: This life gets hard, but move forward to brighter days. This chapter is long, but remember to turn the page. Welcome
0: back to Unfiltered Parenting Podcast with Abby Johnson and Reagan Long, where we deliver the real deal of parenting to y'all, completely unfiltered. Hello, welcome back.
2: Every week, I want to sing that. Welcome
0: back.
2: What was that? I don't know that one. What was it? It was like, what was it, Brandon? It was, welcome back, Mr. Carter.
1: I think, yeah, I know what you're talking about.
2: Yeah, it was like, shoot, what was that show? Silver Spoons, was that it? I don't know. I didn't know that one. <laughs> oh we'll have
0: to look it up for next time, Abby, and we'll play it. Okay, okay. all right. I'll ask Doug because he knows. Doug will know. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free.
1: 800 497 4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks,
0: John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800 497 4410.
2: Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. I don't know. Okay. Well, anyway, hey, thanks for everybody. Thanks for listening. And I do want to say, Greg, we did get some really great reviews and we want everybody to keep putting your reviews on the show. And I do want to read a couple of them. One is from maybe Miley. M-A-I-L-E. How do you say that? Miley? Miley 37. It says, this is like maybe my favorite review ever. It says, love the bold truth and sprinkles of humor from fellow mommas striving to raise good humans. This podcast has jump-started my return to Catholicism and my desire to grow my children knowing God and His commands. Parenting is beautiful, joyful, and freaking hard. Thanks for the reminder that there is right and wrong in a world that functions primarily on relativism. I was passive in my parenting worldviews before finding your podcast. And you ladies inspire me to live boldly in Christ, peace and blessings. Isn't that great? I love that. I this. Yes. love that. That is so
0: refreshing. And wow. then
2: there's another one from Jenny P. 1238 that says, A must-have podcast in your library. I've been listening to Abby and Reagan for over a year now and cannot recommend this podcast enough. All the issues discussed are very relatable. And I am so thankful for their raw honesty and willingness to open up on all the hard issues. Although my kiddos are younger, I feel better equipped for when the difficult conversations arise thanks to the thoughts and advice shared from these two amazing ladies. I truly admire them and look up to the steadfast faith they exemplify every day. Keep on being a voice of reason and truth. So these two ladies, Jenny P and Miley. I'm I'm sorry, I'm probably messing that up. 37. If you will email us
0: at hello at the real deal of com, we will send you some free goodies for your review. Yes, I love that. And people that actually, I mean, hey, even if you all want to give us five stars and be like, awesome podcasts, love them. Like, short, I get it. Like, you got to move quick. But people that everyone's busy that take their time out to write, like, like those so much, that's just, it's truly meaningful. Dude, just go on there and give us five stars and write
2: Abby and Reg are the bomb. And we'll yes. send you some freeze. Like some, some free cool craft. emojis that work totally fine. Totally fine. It works. Okay. So we have a guest on today. You don't just have to listen to us blabber on and on and
0: on. We brought some testosterone today. Mm. We did. <sighs> We've been having so much fun with him, like behind the scenes, like it's just like, we didn't even want to start this. Let's just, we had so much fun. He's like, good Lord, ladies, let's get started. Okay. So, Reg, do an introduction. Yes, I am so excited. We have Brandon Janice with us today, and he is a widower and father of three. He's a serial entrepreneur. He is the author of Just Do but his favorite role is simply being daddy to his three beautiful children, Hadley, Cooper, and Macklin. He is currently the co-founder of Blue Hat Publishing. And he, when he's not working or hanging with his kids, he enjoys golfing with his dad, traveling with anyone that's up for a trip and searching the world for the best taco spots. I mean, Brandon, I think like, Oh my gosh, you just might be a dream for so many people. And tacos, he loves tacos. Come on.
1: Absolutely. My bio is a dream for most people, I'm sure. Right. (laughs) Right. But there's some ugly and outside the bio. There's a lot there. But thank y'all for having me on. I'm thrilled to get to to hang with y'all. And you're right. We got to talk all things offline. And you're right. It it was great. It's great to get to know y'all. Thank y'all for. Taking the time.
2: Right. And y'all, have, you have great names for your kids too.
1: Oh, well, thank you. Great names. Thank I you. love
0: them. They're like cool and unique, but not like weird.
1: Yeah. You like know, the Not weird like spellings. over the top,
0: like the, you know, Kardashians, like yeah, North. Yeah. Yeah. They're not yes. like fans. Not that
1: there's anything wrong with directional names, but right, that's Northwest. just not not what I.
2: Yeah. It's not like, you know, Apple Tree or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. You know. They're like cool, normal names, so.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate that.
2: Yeah, very unique. Anyway, so, okay, so t- besides the taco thing, which of course appeals to me as a Texan, because I love all things taco. So tell us about you. Tell us about your wife. Tell us you story.
1: Yeah, I'd love to. So Rachel, my wife, she, man, where do you start? I chased her for 10 years. To convince her to marry me. It was a 10 year, a 10 year chase, which I write a little bit about in my book. I met her when we were about 20. We went to different colleges. I knew right away she was my standard. And so, you know, we dated other people and compared everybody to Rachel and no one was ever Rachel. And so one day I was fed up and I was actually living in Hawaii at the time and I reached out to her and said, Hey, I think we need to see if this is a thing. And so will you come see me? And it was like in this day, it's like email, right? I might've had a cell phone, but it was like email. And I remember praying about it and saying, God, like close the door if it's not supposed to be. Cause I need to like, she's kind of raised the bar for me, but like, maybe there's another Rachel. And so like, just close the door. And so I waited like 24 hours and I got the email back and it literally just said, no, I'm not coming. And I was like, well, that is not, what i had prayed for and oh hoped God. for yeah, oh, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, oh man and so i sat with it for 24 hours and i did i felt defeated i was like okay because i kind of poured my heart out there i was like like this i really want to see like if this is a thing and she said no and about 24 hours later she emailed me back and said that she had a change of heart and she thought she should come i think she was dating someone and had to break up with them to then come, which is great. That's very kind of you to dump your person before you come and see me. And we had no expectations. We said, look, like, let's just see. Like, let's see if there's anything here. I'm thinking 12 hours into her being there, we were planning our wedding. So it it was a quick thing. We were engaged a few months later and, you know, the rest is, is history. So we get married. I got nine years and 360 days with her before she passed away from breast cancer. So we had almost 10 years together. She died March 1st, 2020, which again was, there was so much, so much God in all of it. Like had she died three weeks later, COVID was rampant and I wouldn't have been able to be there. And so like, you know, Rachel's, we spent 39 nights in the hospital before she died and it was a celebration. I mean, people came from all over the country to spend time with Rach. We had a big Super Bowl party. She's a Chiefs fan. And so we had a big Super Bowl party. Literally, my brother's rolling in a keg and on the fourth floor of the hospital. Like, we went, like, and no one stopped us. They're like, well, there's no rules for Rachel's room. Like, whatever happens, happens. And so we got to celebrate Big then. And just everyone came there thinking they were going to say bye to Rachel when actually they came and they were ministered to. Rachel just ministered to people. You know, her big thing was, look, I know I'm dying, and all I've got left to give is Jesus. So that's what I'm going to do. And I got to sit there and watch that every single day for almost 40 days. And it was, I mean, it's no one wants to watch a person die. It's not something we want to sign up for. But I got to witness so much beauty. I got to witness people get to know Jesus. I got to witness people, you know, come closer to him. I got to witness atheists ask questions about him. You know, it was just like a really, I think the hardest thing for me was that there weren't more rooms like that, that we were the one room, that Rach was the one in that hospital that everybody was drawn to and wanted to spend time with. And so, so needless to say, she passed on March 1st, 2020. I remember praying on February 29th, because was a leap year like this year. And I remember praying that morning, like, God, take her, just take her today. Cause then there's not a reminder every year of March 1st, right? It's going to be February 29th. So once every four years, you know, we'll remember that day. And I remember praying and then I remember feeling guilty, like, cause I don't know when my prayer shifted from, make her better to take her. I don't remember when that happened, right? But, you know, we had gotten to that point. And I prayed that day and was guilty about praying to take my wife and am so grateful for that unanswered prayer or that, that prayer that God answered just not the way I wanted it because March 1st is now a huge celebration in our life. And I'm glad we get to do it every year because it's Rachel's homecoming and it's a beautiful thing. And so I'm glad, like many other prayers in my life, that the Lord decided to answer it a different way. Oh my
0: gosh, like I just had chills so, so many times throughout your story. And I feel like the way you just tell it with just so much organic joy is just so beautiful because I feel like especially today, you know, Abby and I are, you know, on our podcast, we're silly and and lighthearted and sarcastic, but we also, what sets us apart is we really, Get into the nitty gritty. We say what everyone else is thinking. You know, we expose evil. You know, we talk a lot about serious things. And I feel like so many people around the world right now, you know, they're hurting. They're struggling. It's hard to find the silver lining, right? And I feel like you and your three children, you know, have endured the unfathomable and yet You and now you're both mom and dad and you've taken this and it just from your social. And again, we'll link your, your social media accounts below this podcast. Everybody needs to follow you. Your pages are just so refreshing, but it just, you just exude joy. And I feel like the, the average person would still be wallowing and sulking in God. Why? Why me? Why my kids? Why did you have to take her? You know, and I give you so much credit because it's easy to stay in that negativity and asking God why, why? I mean, there had to be those moments though,
1: right? Yeah. Oh man. Like, yes. So she got diagnosed in April of 18 and then we beat it. Like it was breast cancer and we're like, okay, we have it. Like this is typical. Like most people who get breast cancer beat it. Like, that's just the facts, right? And so, like, why were we going to be any different? But I did have that, like, well, why would God do this to us? Like, Rachel's perfectly healthy. She's a young mom. Like, why? And then I'm like, okay, well, this is part of our story. Or she actually said that. She said, this is part of our story, and we're going to go, and we're going to beat it, and we're going to come out the other side stronger for it. And that's what we did. And so, April 2019, we had gotten the all clear Everything was good. We went on this vacation and celebrated with our people about Rachel, you know, kicking cancer's butt. And then in July of 19, she had terrible back pains and she told me it was back. And I said, no, I said, I think we're just getting old. Like my back hurts too. Like this is not a, this is not. And she's like, no, it's back. And Rachel was in the medical field. So and she always like felt that her story like even before she got diagnosed that her story would end with cancer which is weird cuz it's not in her family it was just like that was always on her her heart and so she's like no it's definitely back and so it turns out it was and a, a quick google search you know you can't remove cancer from bone you don't take out your spine right so like we knew at that point okay like we're going to live with cancer forever is that 5 years 10 years 15 years i don't know and then it just quickly progressed and went into her, her brain. And at that point there was not much that could be done. And I mean, we tried everything, but I, the point of that is like, I was like, Hey God, why, why, why? Like, I don't understand <laughs> why you would do this to us, but through her, and this is all her it has nothing to do with me, but through the way she fought it and through the way she lived and through the way she eventually died and through the way she witnessed and, Her biggest fear was that people would turn away from the Lord because she didn't get better. And that's the exact opposite of what happened. People ran to him. And, but I did. I played the blame game. I was so upset with the Lord many times. But when you watched her and her attitude toward it, with all the pain and the suffering she was going through, yet still pointing people to Jesus, and this was just part of her story, it was hard to look at it any different.
2: Do you feel like, like at that moment that she passed, like, do you feel like she was truly at peace? And were you truly at peace in that moment?
1: Yeah, that's such a good question. So a few days before she died, my pastor grabbed me in the lobby and he said, hey, it's okay to be relieved when when she dies. And I said, you can't, like, can you say that? <laughs> like, You know, like, it's just, a, and it was so, he was right. He was so right. I had been away from my kids, at least not home for 39 nights. Like my kids needed daddy. And I remember the hardest thing in all the hospital was not hearing the doctor say we can't do anything else. It was not reminding Rachel every day that there was no treatment anymore. It was not, it was having to tell my kids mommy wasn't coming home and sitting them down in the lobby and letting them know that, you know, mommy's going to go to heaven. And when and mommy goes to heaven, daddy gets to come home. And, you know, so we associated daddy coming home with mommy going home. And that conversation was so dang hard, but I'm telling you, March 1st, 2020, 4.34 p.m., when she passed, there was this huge sense of relief because there was no more pain. There was no more suffering. There was no more uncertainty. There was no more cancer. There was no more appointments. And I got to go home and be what my kids needed. And that was daddy. And so did I want to do the rest of my life without her? Shoot, no. But there was a major sense of, okay, this chapter's closed, and it's time to go find our new normal. Wow. And how old were your kids when she passed away? So they were eight, seven, and five.
0: So how did you go about finding your new normal? And I want to preface this because I do not want at all to take away from you losing your wife, your life partner, your best friend, but something I you know, for more people to relate to this, you know, before we came live, I was telling Brandon that a large number of people listening to this are single parents. And a lot of them are for the most part doing the job primarily on their own. And again, there's no comparison. I am not trying to take away from your situation. But I feel like there's so many golden nuggets you'll be able to kind of provide just by sharing you and your kid's story of how do you find when you have a traumatizing event like that, losing your wife, or if another family has a traumatizing event of a big divorce, or maybe mom or dad just decide to up and leave and they don't want to be mom or dad anymore and they're gone. What would you say, what advice would you give to that parent? Like, how do you dive in and find the new normal? And I know that's going to look different for everybody, but like, how do you do that? Like, how do you just like,
1: (gasps) You know, that's such a good question. And I don't feel like you discounted Rachel dying at all, but I also don't want to discount the fact that divorce is hard, man. Like, divorce is hard. People have their hard. Losing a job's hard. Losing your person's hard. You know, like everybody has their hard. We're all going through something. If we're not going through it, we're going into it or we're just coming out of it. And so like, I don't know what it's like to be divorced. You know, I don't know, but that's freaking hard. I can't fathom, you know, it's a different type of loss, but I feel you people. I wish I could hold the space and understand you. I can't, but I know, you know, unfortunately, 50% of us end up in divorce, right? Or some crazy number, you know? And so like, I hope you feel seen and understood. And just like my life didn't end up like I thought it would, you know, neither did yours. And so I feel you and it's hard. That said, I still haven't found the new normal, okay? Like I'm still trying to figure it out. You know, there's always new things that are popping up. But, you know, Rachel died March 1st. The country shut down on March 13th with COVID. Kids are home. And again, I looked at that as such a blessing because none of us knew what we were doing. Everybody was lost at that point. Like everybody's like, I don't, I have no idea what to do today. And so like, I was like, okay, I'm just like everybody else right now. And it became, hey, let's just rely on each other. Let's do this together. Let's walk this walk together. And you know, Rachel had, man, Rachel prepared. She prepared us so well for this season. You know, she had women in our lives make sure the girls had hair appointments because that's not something daddy did. Made sure the dentist was booked. Made sure I had a doctor's appointment because I had to take care of myself now. Maybe like, she booked all these things and like literally from her hospital bed made appointments for the things that daddy didn't do. And so like... And people still show up. The girls have a hair appointment next week. No, tomorrow that someone's taking them to. (laughs) I can do it, but it's like now it's just become this community of people that want to show up for Rachel and for my kids and for me. And so, man, I've struggled through it. I ask my kids every day to give daddy grace. I think one of the hardest things for me is Rachel would always be the bad cop. I could always be good cop. She always let me be the hero. She always, let even when I didn't deserve to be. And to have to be both overnight and like have rules and put my foot down and discipline and man, you don't know what you don't know till you don't have it anymore. And having to do bad cop, good cop, I still struggle with that. My girls walk all over me because I just want to give and give and give in a very respectful way. They do not want to disappoint daddy. You know, they are the happiest kids You'll ever meet. And that's not just me saying that. That's, I went to parent teacher conferences the other day and I couldn't be more proud that two of the teachers said, I've never had a happier kid in my class. And I'm like, this is, that's, and it's joy. It's just joy. They live a life of joy and, you know, they know where mommy is. They have hard days for sure. I picked up Cooper, my middle girl, the other day because she was just having a hard day and this mom. And so we went and got our boba tea and, and she doesn't know. I don't like boba tea. But I just drink it with her. It's not good. It doesn't do anything. But I we... Don't like uh, I yeah, don't like it either. That's it's her date with thing. daddy. And so I, I don't know when I'll break it to her. that it just is not give me heartburn. It's just not good. And so the days, you know, some days are struggle, man, for all of us. And the goal is not for us to get over mommy. But the goal is for us not to just forget about it. The goal is just to live through it and continue to keep her memory alive but just failing over and over and over again and doing the best we can. And again, asking our kids for grace and apologizing when we mess up. And it's amazing how quickly kids will forgive you when you screw up, right? And so we just have, you know, one of the things that Rachel and I did early on is like, we're not gonna whisper. We're not gonna whisper about this disease. We're not gonna whisper about the prognosis. We're not gonna whisper about any of it because if I sat there and said, you know, mommy's gonna get better, And she didn't, then I know of teenage girl, like they're never going to trust daddy. And so like, we just had to be open and honest with them. And so we just have this beautiful dialogue where we can just be real and be honest. And sometimes that comes in written form. My One of my my oldest daughter loves to write notes to me when she's struggling with things. So then we can sit and hold the space and talk about it. Cooper, my middle, just... She's just going to let me know. Like she's going to tell me how it is and we're going to walk through it. And then, you know, Macklin, Macklin was a mama's boy, but Macklin didn't know Rachel not sick. You know, like, I mean, he lived half his life with her sick and he was before he was two years old. So he doesn't remember that. And so, and now he's had almost half his life without mommy here. Like next year will be half his life without a mom. And so this is the life he knows. And he loves that daddy and he can play football every day and trade football cards. And like, that's just. It's just a boy's world for him, but he also misses that nurturing, you know, peace that he had with rage. So the answer to the question is just, I just struggle through it. I ask for a ton of grace and I just tell my kids I'm sorry all the time and I show up the best I can.
0: I love that. And I think that's like something that I think some parents have a difficult time with, swallowing their pride and admitting when they're wrong. Because I always tell my kids when they need to apologize to each other, or to me, that they need to be looking the person in the eye and saying specifically what they're sorry for. It's not just a flippant "I'm sorry, I'm sorry," and it's not just "I'm sorry, I made you mad" or "I'm sorry." Like they have to say specifically. And I tell them, and I'm the same way when I get upset and I need to apologize, which also Brandon is quite frequently to my children. But <laughs> I'm like, I do not want a fake apology. Yeah, And if it takes you hours to feel like you're ready to apologize to me and it needs to be sincere, then it's hours. If it's not till the next day and it's not real, I don't want it, nor do I want you to give your siblings that apology until you mean it. And so the kids even know with me, like I too, you know, if I lose, you know, just lose my mind and whatever, like sometimes it just takes me five minutes to calm down and go say, guys, listen, mommy did not mean to do that. I did this, this, and this. I am so sorry. You know, and sometimes it's like maybe an hour or two where I really need to get my my stuff together. But I think that's such an amazing thing that our kids truly, no matter how young, like, or if they're teenagers or when they're adults, I think that's so important because obviously they know we're flawed. We're very human. But emulating that for them, when you mess up and, you know, it's going to happen. Take ownership of it. Apologize. And I absolutely, I love that.
1: I love what you said, though. Rachel had this famous line. I don't know if she can claim it, but I've never heard anyone else say it. But it was, Brandon, I need you to listen with your whole face. I need you to be here with your whole face. Because all too often, we're down on our computer. We're looking at our phone. And we're having these conversations. And like, And you were saying that, like, apologize. Look at me and talk to me with your whole face. And man, that's what presence is. Like, if I've struggled with anything in my life, I've struggled with a lot of things. So we're not gonna get into that, all my things, this podcast, but presence was a big one. Like, I was so focused on all the other things that I wasn't focused on what mattered most. And that was that was Rach and that was the kids. And, you know, we spent a season in an RV in a motorhome for a year because I was so absent. And Rachel said, no, we're gonna come with you. Wherever you go, we're gonna do it. And it was right before she got sick. And that's when she taught me the ministry of presence like to just be, man, and like put the phone down. You're not present if your phone's right there buzzing. It's not, it's distracting. It's, you know, and it's such an easy, you know, it's so easy to let that rule your day and rule your life. And like her reminding me to listen with your whole face, to be there with your whole face. I think we could all use that. Like put it away, man. Like the podcast can wait, the webinar can wait, the meeting can wait a lot of times. 10 minutes to our kids is a freaking eternity like just being present with our whole face. So thank you for saying that because it is so important to like, when we're having these conversations, it's let's look them in the eye because they're gonna do the same thing we do, guys. They're gonna do the same thing we do. They watch everything we do, good, bad, and ugly. And I hope, I hope one day my kids look back and think, man, dad left us with some pretty good habits. And one of those is being there with your whole face.
2: And it's, like, so sad, too. Like, we see, like, I go, you know, like, my family or something will go out to eat. And, like, I look around the restaurant and whole families will be on their phone. Like, kids, oh, parents, everybody's looking at their phone. Nobody's talking to each other. And it makes me sad. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, like what is going on? And then we wonder why kids aren't able, like, why kids don't know how to have conversations, you know, with eye contact. And I mean, I just, you know, kids don't know how to write correct grammar and things like that. Cause like they literally like write in text all the time. Like they write on paper the same way they would write in a text message
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
2: and they don't know how to communicate directly, like face to face to people. Because we're not teaching them that. No. We're not right. modeling it, you know, as parents. We're not teaching it. And that's really, I think that's just kind of where we are, I think, in our culture. And it's really, really sad. One thing you said that I thought that really, you said it was a blessing. And right when you said, like, everything shut down, I was like, wow, that's a blessing. And then you were like, that was a blessing. <laughs> and, but I was thinking, like, just, you know, She dies on March 1st. The country completely shuts down and loses its mind. But that gave you guys this really, although, I mean, everybody was just losing their mind Mm -hmm. around you, but it had to be kind of this intimate time in your home just for you and your kids. Yeah. You know, because, I mean, schools were closed. Mm -hmm. Everything was online learning. I mean, you couldn't really go to restaurants. I mean, like, it had to be a time where it was just like you and your kids figuring this out together, right? And there really weren't outside distractions. Like, you couldn't be like, I'm bored, let's go to the sporting goods store. Like, what are we going to do, kids? Let's go walk around Walmart. Like, you just couldn't do that sort of stuff. So it really did force you to have that quality time together, which it was probably annoying in some ways because everybody wanted to get away from each other every once in a while. But also it had to be good in some ways, right?
1: It was, it was in so many ways. It was so special. I mean, we didn't leave each other's side. I mean, we, they slept in my room for three years straight, like after Rachel died. And I remember like at first thinking, okay, just the thing we're gonna do for a minute. And then a year later I'm like, okay, this is a thing we've done for a year now and then like it's continuing to happen. And I remember like wrestling with it because I was like, I'd like to not have three kids in my room all the time. But then I'm like, Man, like this is where they feel safe. Like they feel safe with me. And as long as I can make them feel safe, I'm not gonna fight this fight. This is not like so I had their pallet set up on the floor, you know, and they'd all start in their own beds and every one of them would end up down there each night. Like that was just kind of at different times. until one night one didn't. And then the next, you know, a few nights later, another, you know, and they like, they did it. Cause I had people that would like write me like, you can't do that to your kids. They're going to have terrible sleeping habits. I'm like, okay, (sighs) I think I'll do this how I need to do it. But like, that would have been like someone saying you can't stay by Rachel's bedside. Okay. Good luck. Good luck getting me out. Like that was where I felt safest where she need, like, and so, like, there was just no argument to ha- be had, like, and so for three years, we did every morning, noon, night, all of it together, right? And a, and we had this big old home, and we all stayed in one room, you know, and it was special. But no, I do look at those times, and man, I hate COVID, and I hate the things that came from COVID. I interviewed a girl yesterday that lost her husband from COVID, and there's so many, so much bad and ugly that came from it, but in mental health and all the things that, again, a whole nother podcast, but for us... Man, it was special. It was special just to be able to do the mundane together, to figure out the little, the day to day and just rely on one another. Like we had each other and, you know, it didn't, I will say it didn't start exactly how I'd planned. I don't do puke. Rachel would do puke, right? Puke is not my thing. And literally the first night I get home from the hospital, everybody's in my room and Hadley projectile vomits all over my bedroom and. So I'm dry heaving. I'm trying to strip the sheets. Like Cooper's crying. Macklin's like, what's going on? How he's puking. And like, I remember. Like, a guess moment. who's
2: doing puke?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Guess who's doing puke? And I remember sitting there in the bathroom, you know, half naked, all of us, because puke is just everywhere thinking, Oh my gosh, Rachel, you are a punk. Like literally <laughs> you. Have got to be so it's like, let's just go. And then like uh, two weeks later, everybody has lice. And I'm like, what is the and then during COVID, so like no one wanted to touch you, and so that was a whole weird thing. And so like oh my I'm like, what is even happening? It's and like so like I was just seven start, plagues have like just yes. your- <laughs> Oh my gosh, man. It was so brutal. But at the same time, like it was just puke. And it was just yeah. like when you lose your person and you spent two years trying to make your person better you know your perspective changes on all that like I still dry heat when I see puke like that has not changed but it's just puke and it's going to go away and it's going to be okay and it's just head lice and it's going to go away and it's like and I freaking hope man I hope my perspective stays that way and again when all you're trying to do is keep your person alive and show up for them as much as you can as well as you can most things don't really freaking matter that much. You know, the things that we stress out about, the things that cause divorce, the things that cause, you know, problems in relationships. I don't think Rachel and I had a disagreement for two years because it's like, we didn't, it just didn't matter. None of it mattered, man. And so I do appreciate the perspective change. I do not appreciate puke still, if we're being completely honest, I still struggle.
0: I'm with you, Brandon. I'm also, I can do anything else I can change any type of diaper. But the puke, I'm like, oh, Lord, it is just the worst. I'm a dry heaver too.
2: I can do puke. I do have to say, though, Brandon, my family got head lice several years ago. And it happened to be when we had another family living with us who had just moved to Texas. And there were five of them. And there were nine of us. This is before we had Fulton. So there were 14 people living in my home. Oh my. God. All with head lice. Uh uh-uh. uh. Oh my gosh. Just that move. was like you the seventh move.
0: circle of hell. <laughs> uh, Abby, is that um, where you were like, I just want to burn everything down? Yeah, I was of, like, yeah. let's just burn it down. Like, yeah, we're going to all
2: shave sure. our heads
1: for and sure. we're going to burn Right.
2: Yeah. Like, that was really bad. Yeah. I, and I've never, done so much laundry before (laughs) like you just have to keep washing the sheets you know and it was bad only one time in our lives like my whole life 43 years ever getting head lice and it was bad and it was my son carter that brought it home from like a little mother's day out thing that he went to and i'll never forget he was sitting on my lap and i was like what is all this shiny stuff in your hair (laughs) <laughs> and I was like it's looking funny. at it and the girl, my friend that was living with us at the time, she goes, those are lice eggs. And I was like, <laughs> oh, <my God." laughs> I kind of threw them off of me like a hot potato. Uh-uh. Was, oh, like, oh. And then you just start checking yeah. and it was like, we everybody, all have it. Everybody. And it was bad. And yeah. And then one time, I brought bed bugs back from a hotel. Also, it's like burn the house down. Oh, all yeah. those little type of bugs are really bad.
1: And all the listeners are literally itching their heads. Like, like, I
2: know, right? Everybody's yeah, right.
1: like, "Yeah, it's like <laughs> you just can't." But yeah, it's just life. But it's hey, life.
2: it's you know that's just the way it is. It is <laughs> yeah. perspective, but part of parenting yeah yeah it is part of parenting head lice and maybe not bed bugs but head like head bed bugs bed bugs are part of my life because of like traveling and stuff yeah. like that but don't stay at lice, can head lice.
1: You you can can head lice. lice yeah. oh
2: my gosh
1: don't stay at like gross hotels that's the more of the story I think I even wrote a a little chapter in my book about puke and head lice because I didn't want it to be heavy. I wanted it to be. This is not a book plug, by the way, but I did want people to realize, like, life goes on. Life goes on after loss, and you got to continue to parent. You got to continue to show up, and but also, life happens. Right, life happens. Puke, right? Yeah, life happens. So life happens. Yeah,
2: I do feel like the enemy. I feel like his greatest victory is when he steals joy from our life.
1: Hmm. Isn't that something? Yeah. Yeah.
2: And it sounds like even until the very end of Rachel's life, she kept joy in her heart and in her soul. And that allowed all of you to continue to have joy in you and in your home, even through grief, right? There can still be joy. That's so good. Yeah. And there's, of course, joy for all of us believers Mm -hmm. when another believer dies because we know that they're going into eternity.
1: Yeah. Yeah. With
2: Christ. And so that is a sad time, but also a joyous time because we can imagine them being face to face with Christ and we can imagine them embracing Jesus and what a. Beautiful gift, right? That is for us as believers. My favorite verse in the Bible is when Jesus gave the gift of the Holy Spirit to the apostles. And it says that he breathed on them. And I just, um, I like, I can't even imagine what that was like for them. And so I always kind of like translate that and I think, oh my gosh, like just to receive, like, just to feel like the breath of God, right? Like to feel the breath of Christ on them. Like, yeah. what a gift that must have been. But then to go to our eternal reward and to feel the embrace of God, to feel the embrace of Christ, like how much better is that, right? And so to imagine our loved ones receiving that gift,
1: yeah. that
2: does bring us joy. And so Satan would love nothing more than to take that away from us. And so the fact that you have kept that joy in your heart and you have then perpetuated that joy in your home and have given that joy to your children is just such a beautiful thing and such a beautiful promise that you've given to your children. And so I just really admire you for that.
0: I agree. And I think, Brandon, when you had said that a couple of the kiddos teachers had said, these are the happiest kids I've ever seen. I feel like that is a total testament to you. Yes. You know, because Abby and I shared before that, you know, there's always one figure in the house that it's like, if Abby's down or I'm down or we're in a bad mood, everybody's in a bad mood. Like we just set the tone for the house, right? Like Joyful, grumpy, edgy, like walking on eggshells, whatever it is. And it just trickles to everybody else in the house. And you are now the solo sounding board for them. And so again, it's just one of the most beautiful gifts, like Abby was saying, that you can instill in them is this joy. And the best way to give that to them is simply being it, embodying it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. not like, okay. And again, of course you have your bad moments. Of course you have your bad days, but it's not like, you know, you've been in this funk and bad mood in pity for years and kids, but I need you to be happy. Like you're living it, you're acting it, you're embodying it. So that's, what's rubbing off to your children. And I just think, man, that is like, that moves me. You know, when I'm going through stuff, nothing compared to what you have, I'm thinking like, and I'm complaining and I'm grumpy and I'm, you know, doing the seventh load of laundry. Big freaking, like, really? Like, and I'm stomping my feet. Do you all know I did? I'm on my seventh load of laundry. Like, do I need to be telling everyone I'm on my seventh load of laundry for today? Like, in all seriousness. And I think like, like you said, Brandon, until you've gone through what you've gone through, like the other stuff doesn't matter. The the normal average person complains about
1: You know? Yeah, you're man, there's so many good things there. Gosh, I think for those listening that have a a partner, become a noticer. Like, I didn't notice all that Rachel did until she was gone and then it wasn't done, right? Like, you don't realize the seven modes of laundry until they're not getting done, right? Like, And not that that's what Rachel's purpose was, was not to do my laundry and not to clean the house and not to, but those are the things that she loved doing and that's what she, her, you know? And so like, and then one day it all stopped. And I'm looking around, I'm like, wait, like, I didn't notice like I needed to notice. I didn't appreciate like I needed to appreciate. I didn't show up like I needed to show up. And so like, I beg you guys to just notice and be grateful and say thank you with your whole face. The other thing, Abby, when you're talking about, I think often about this, that homecoming for Rachel, you know, and uh, Macklin, you know, I don't know, it was probably a a few months after Rachel died, said, what do you, daddy, what do you think Jesus said when he saw mommy? Like, what do you think they talked about? And, you know, of course he's like, do you think she got to say hi to Samson? Cause that's like, Samson's like, you know, one of his favorites and like, you know, like, and like, you know, talking about all the characters in the Bible. And, you know, I said, I said, buddy, you know, I don't know, but I think, I think he probably saw mommy and said, I know you and not. And, and I know he knows all of us. But no, Rachel, I know you. And thank you. Thank you for sharing about me. Thank you for giving others hope. I know you. And I think I'd give anything for that to be my story. For the Lord that for Jesus to say, man, Brandon, I know you. You know, you lived well. You did well. And I know you. And that's all I can think about that homecoming. And that's what it looked like. Because he knows everyone, but like. I feel like you knew Rachel a little more. I know you. Like, you did good, man. You did good. And so, anyway, I didn't mean to digress, but you said that. And I was like, I think about that. I just want him to know me. Yeah.
0: Yes.
2: That's so great. Um,
1: I saw this graphic the other day, and it said
2: something like, I hope when I get to heaven, Jesus says to me, we're so glad you're here. You're here. Do you want to come meet all the people? that you brought in.
1: Mm, Come on.
2: And I was like, oh my gosh, that would be like the best thing, right? And that's the goal. Like we're here to usher other people in because it's not just about us. I mean, we should be assured of our salvation, right? And so it's not about us anymore. Like it's about our family, our kids, And then those around us, like we should be stewarding that salvation that has been freely given to us. And so, like, when I saw that graphic, I was like,
1: heck yeah,
2: like that's exactly what I want to happen, you know?
1: So good. I love that. And that's the, you know, one of Rachel's lines that I said earlier was, you know, I know that I'm dying. All I have left to give is Jesus. Like, we're all dying, guys. Like, we're all one step closer, one day closer, right? And, you know, unfortunately, I'm a part of this widow community now. Where like we're like, I'm meeting new people every day that are losing their person. Suddenly, it's a car accident. It's a drowning. It's a this, it's a that. And and we just don't know. And so we're all, we're all where Rachel was, you know, just maybe a little bit farther out or maybe not. And so, like, we need to be living our lives that way. And where all we really have less to give is Jesus. And she did that so well. And I got to experience that in such a beautiful way. And I am not doing it like she was. And I pray often that I can do better and be more of that. I want to meet the people. I want to meet the people that came to know him because of the story of us.
0: Wow, that is
2: powerful. We think you're doing a great job. And we want people to continue to get to know you and your story. And so... Tell people about your book and the best way that they can get that.
1: Yeah. So I started writing this book when we lived in the RV for the year, you know, again, such a, such a God thing. Like I was an absent dad. I worked a lot. I was speaking, training teams all over the country on, on team building and leadership and culture. And that was kind of the platform that I had built. And so, you know, I always told Rachel, I'm a stud on the road, like people like me, like, but. She's like, but what about home? Like, what about here? Like, you need to be that here. And so it just got to the point where it, she was fed up. And so she said, which I, again, I miss a person calling me out when I suck, you know? And she said one day, hey, we're going to come with you wherever you go. Like we have a five-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old at the time. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know how that this works. And she was like, we're going to get a motor home and we're going to go wherever you go. And six weeks later, we were in a 40-foot, motorhomes, you know, driving around the country, doing life together. And it was a year before Rachel got sick. And to be able to have that season, again, what a blessing. But I started writing then. I started writing stories about lessons I was learning, watching my kids be kids. And so it's not a sad book. It's actually like, a. it just taught me presence. It taught me like, what if you just watch them interact with the really strange guy at the other end of the RV park that I would never have talked to in my entire life. But because Cooper one day walked up to him and said, who is your name? Like introduced herself to him and said, who is your name? I got to meet one of the most incredible men ever. And I wonder how many times in our life we avoid amazing people because they don't look like us. They don't vote like us. They don't act like us. They don't go to the same church as us, whatever it may be. And it took a four-year-old little girl asking an, an old man, who is your name, for me to meet one of the most incredible people I've ever met in my life. And so I just, I shared different stories of that, of just learning, you know, perspective and presence. And so I started writing through that. Rachel got sick. I stopped writing because it felt weird to write all these fun stories. And then my wife gets sick. I was writing through that process but not for a book. I was doing some blogs and people were really interested in the Rachel story. And then eventually, you know, I put it all together. Someone came up to me and said, hey, you really need to finish that book. People need to see it. And so I was able to put it all together and make it make sense. And I do share about the 39 nights in the hospital. I do share about our last date where Rachel wanted movie theater popcorn and a big old Coke in her hospital room and wanted nobody else there. It was a one time. It was just the two of us in the room the whole time. And she had these eight things that she had written to me, everything from, you know, you have to take care of yourself. I already made your doctor's appointment to join the golf club with your dad, do more of the things you love with the people you love, to, you know, find love again. like not tomorrow, not in two weeks. that'd be weird, but you need to find somebody you know, to love you and those babies. I guess so it was all these things. And I wrote about that, and then I wrote about the headlights, and I wrote about life a little bit after losing Rachel. And so anyway. If you go to my Instagram, you'll see like a lot of those stories. It's just like me talking to you. It's just me sharing a conversation with you. And you can find it at my website, brandonjanus.com, I think, if it's still up. But if you go to my Instagram, it's there. I'm the only Brandon brandonjanus, J-A-N-O-U-S, there is. And so it's easy to find me. And I'm actually working on my second book right now, which is exciting. I just started that and can't wait to get that out into the world probably this summer. And I just thank y'all for giving me an opportunity to talk about Rachel. There's nothing I love doing more than talking about Rachel and my kids. It is a joy. So when y'all ask me, it's never a no. It's always a yes. I'm honored to get to share more about the best person I've ever known.
0: This was like one of... My favorite podcast that we've. You have got.
1: to say that. You no, have to say I've that. Never, no, no,
0: we don't. I never said that. <laughs> Go back and listen to all our podcasts, <laughs> and just let me as we wrap here, and you just brought everything together so beautifully, Brandon. I just want to say one of the oh, and I just got emotional. The golden nuggets I took from you for me personally with my kids is the power of presence, and even though. I'm sitting right next to them. So often I'm not present. Like I notice even with my little guy who's four and a half, if I'm snuggling him, like holding him and he's on my lap, we're cuddled, we're, our bodies are next to each other and he's watching one of his shows that I, you know, can't stand. I'm thinking, okay, (laughs) I'm going to multitask. I'm going to work on my phone while I'm snuggling him. And there's times he takes my face literally with his hands and he moves it and he's like watch this with me and mommy. And so even it's important for him even though I don't want to be watching Coco Melon or or whatever it is that even though I'm snuggling him I'm not present still. And he's like, you know, doesn't want my phone there and he wants me to watch it with him. And so that's one of the biggest things I have to work on with all five of my children is, you know, sometimes we get caught up and we're we're so busy, we have so many things to do, I used to take pride in my multitasking skills. And now more so, I'm like, wow, they're not so great sometimes. Sometimes you have to multitask. And there's sometimes it's like, no, I can't do four things at once. I need to be zoned in on this child right now. Yeah. Like you said, everything else can wait. And so the power of presence and giving me your whole face that you shared from sweet, sweet Rachel, that was just huge huge for me. So, I am so glad you joined us, Abby. I don't know. Like and he's like got so, like he's got the whole personality. We're going to have to have him back.
1: Yeah. I would be honored and I could bring the kids. You should interview the kids. The kids are so the kids are so cool. Like the ministry of presence I learned from Macklin actually. Like when Rachel was sick and watching Macklin just be like not looking, he's like 5 years old and he just wanted to be in her space and not with a phone, not with an iPad, not with a click, like just be. And it was beautiful to watch a five-year-old boy teach me what it looked like to be present, you know? And so I think we live in a culture where it's easy to say no to our children. It's easy to turn down their ideas or shut down their curiosity or their questions or their courage even. And, you know, I tried to not, I just try to say, or at least listen to them like about what they're trying to accomplish or what they're trying to do. And there's no dumb questions and just allow their stories that get so long and so tiring to be told because they just want to share their day and their adventures and all the things with us. And we need to give them our whole face while doing it. And so again, I'm honored to get to hang with y'all. I think what y'all are doing is beautiful. I think it inspires so many people. And I'm glad that I get to be a small piece of this episode. And so thank y'all for having me.
2: Well, we really appreciate you. And thank you so much for sharing with us and giving us so much of your time. And thanks for sharing about your kids and sharing about your
1: beautiful wife. Absolutely. Thank y'all.
0: And when we share this, y'all, please look either if you're watching this online, watching video footage, we will link Brandon's social media and his link to his book below. If you're listening to this on Apple or Spotify, please look in the notes where you'll be able to find him. He's a lovely person to follow online and truly he emulates joy. He is seeing photos of him, videos of him and his kids brings me joy and so many tens of thousands of others. So please make sure you follow Brandon and Brandon, again, thank you so much for coming on.
1: Thank y'all. That was too sweet. I am a hot mess. I am a disaster, but come. No, we don't believe that. We don't believe it. We'll talk about it together. So thank you You're the real
0: deal. You're like Abby and I. We're all so hot messes. Yeah. Thank
1: Thank you, guys. I I appreciate y'all. Thank you.
0: And until next time, keep raising your little saints.